Hello, welcome back to Immature Politics with me, Terry Wang. And me, Cooper Smith. This week, we're going to be talking about a topic that we've covered before in, let's see, episode one, I think, one or two. I believe it's, one of those two. Yeah, definitely one of those two. It's the good old topic that everyone's talking about nowadays, the environment. Uh, yes. Ooh, all the stuff going around. Oh, especially nowadays. Oh, yeah. With uh, the Paris uh, revolts going on, environment oh, yeah. has become uh, yeah. a topic of concern. It's kind of sad that that's happening. Um, but anyway, let's get the show on the road. Um, who started off last time? Near I believe near? I did. Okay. Oh, let's get this bread. So... When it comes to the environment, um, personally, I think that government action along in cooperation with private companies is the best way to go. Um, the governments are the ones who are actually able to go through and enforce um, decisions while it might take the industry a while longer. Um, one extreme, one example that I like to cite is uh, the electric car situation, where it wasn't until Elon Musk began to um, become successful with Tesla that other American car manufacturers actually began to do anything. So, and Elon Musk is extreme. Um, I don't want to say example, like outlier when it comes to. Um, when it comes to the car business, because he is basically the sole reason why um, we have companies like Honda, Nissan, Ford, and um, and other companies actually looking towards um, electric vehicles. Um, <clears throat> another thing is that once governments actually come together to agree on something, that's when they will be able to influence the industry into doing things and i mean with the current statistics i don't think we have enough time to allow businesses to begin to do their own things i think governments should be working with businesses to figure out what exactly to do that's all all right so my position on the matter has not changed uh i believe that environmental policy should be something that is solely uh handled by state and local governments Hmm. uh the EPA is unconstitutional and ought to be abolished. The um, Paris Accord was oh, unconstitutional geez. and also no, would have been disastrous for the American economy. And uh, okay, but like, okay, it's clearly no, no, it's no, clearly no, not go, go it's on, clearly on. not doing so well in France either. Okay, um, all right. And it's good that we pulled out of it. Um, what else? Oh, and we should not pro- be providing uh, subsidies to. Uh, renewable energy companies or any company or individual for that matter. Okay. Well, in response to that, Cooper, I have to say, do you really have time to be able to think about whether or not, um, whether or not we should be like, 
pulling out of the Paris Accord or oh, these legalities of this and that about climate change. I mean, honestly, this is quite literally about the existence of our species. I don't, I don't understand why we would have to go through our like go through legalities if we have to protect our own planet that we live on. See, I don't believe that there's enough that there is not sufficient evidence to suggest that within the next uh, couple millennia that climate change will bring about the end of the species. No, it won't. But I mean, the effects could be irreversible. That's the issue. Well, okay, then state and local government should uh, should uh, legislate on matters relating to that. I don't understand why it needs to be a federal matter. Because or well, why it needs to be an, an, an international matter as well. Well, I would prefer if it were an international matter if uh, countries upheld their obligations, or in that their obligations were equal to those of all other countries. But that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case. Okay. Yeah, that's another thing. Well, I'm I'm extremely frustrated at the idea that the Paris Accords hurt U.S. economies when it came to their methods of protecting the environment. I mean, come on. It, dispropor- it disproportionately hurt the American economy. But come on, do you really need to worry about the economy when it's about saving the planet? Ask that to the Parisians. <sighs> as, as, the leader but, of the Yellow Vest said, as the leader of the Yellow Vest said, we are worried about the end of the world, but we're also worried about the end of the month. You know? If, if you... If you uh, sincerely believe that um, placing a gas tax of sorts is going to be extremely beneficial towards uh, the um, reduction of climate change, you're going to have to deal with some adverse social and economic consequences. Okay. Like we're seeing in Paris. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I don't necessarily think that the um, long-term benefits of it uh, outweigh the uh, short-term consequences. And I think that until we reach a capacity in which we can survive, uh, in which we can maintain the same ener- the current energy prices uh, with renewable energies, only then would, uh, could we have something akin to uh, a gas tax, if we even needed to put, in, uh, put a gas tax in place if gas was the main form of energy. So then you're saying you prioritize... Um focusing on economics over focusing on radical changes towards environmental policies absolutely the only the only way in which we can truly the, the only viable method in which we can move away from non-renewable uh carbon emitting energy sources like uh fossil fuels like coal like oil mm-hmm. is if we move is uh if we transition towards renewable forms of energy like wind and solar and geothermal and nuclear. Um, But right now, all of those are not as cost efficient as the current energy that we are using, except for nuclear, which is objectively the cheapest form of energy, but it is so heavily restricted and regulated that it's not able to um, meet its true potential. I think that there's a great deal of potential in nuclear. So until we reach the capacity to maintain our current energy uh, consumption rates at prices which are not higher than the prices that we are currently paying, or even prices that are lower would be preferable, uh, only then 
can we really make strides towards the reduction of carbon emissions and therefore climate change? Then with the idea of government action along while cooperating with, um, with companies be more beneficial? No. No? No, that stifles, com- that? that stifles competition. Okay. So then what be... What the government is a, the government is a monopolistic force, not only a monopoly on the usage of power, but it has also been the greatest creator of monopolies in human history. Okay. Um, so it, government assistance or government uh, cooperation, if you will, is simply just another form of monopoly. It is government preference to one firm within an industry over another. And when a firm is given preferential treatment in the form of subsidies or preferential regulation, then that stifles competition from smaller or uh, from other firms from competing with the firm that is a subsidiary of the government and therefore stifles competition. Okay. Um, But I, I don't understand. Why do we have to wait for the companies to do it? Why don't we just go do it with the government? Just go ahead and just do it. What can the government do? Well, well look, but Terry, the government doesn't create anything. Everything that we have has been created and invented by individuals and firms. The government has So then cre- climate never- policy shouldn't be made by the government? Is that what you're saying? Or- no, what I'm saying, is that in- what I'm saying is that technological and scientific innovations that allow for the increase in the standard of living and for the, uh, such as in the reduction of pollution or uh, the reduction of greenhouse gases, doesn't come about through government action. It okay, comes about through the private. I, in, it comes about through the interest of private individuals. I agree any, with that essence, but any and all government action would necessarily have to act as a monopolizing force, and therefore competition would be stifled, and no progress would be made, or any progress that would be made would not be brought about at the same rate, uh, assuming that there was competition. Well, I okay. I agree with the idea that. that innovation should be left to companies but what i don't understand is why not just pass more regulations on the amount of fossil fuels we use why don't we focus on gas taxes to be able to stop the consumption of gas with from cars why don't we put in place policies that focus on on Stent or cutting off our consumption of fossil fuels. Well, you could do that, but it would lead to extremely adverse economic effects and social effects, which are probably not good for domestic security and social cohesion. Okay. So Again, then, like we're seeing in Paris and other parts of uh, Western Europe. So could that also be because of um, issues within our culture? No. I mean, it no. could be, but I think it's, prim- it's solely or at least primarily an economic issue. Because the, from what I see is that, well, in the United States, we have an issue with, well, I don't want to delve too deep into this, but we have an issue with, one, with acknowledging people who don't believe in climate change, and two, having to deal with people who don't believe with climate change in the first place. The fact that people don't believe in climate change is outrageous because we see the effects of it. Well, we're beginning to see the more extreme effects of it. So that's 
definitely one of the issues or cultural issues that we have. Another issue is, is that it seems like there's not enough um, urgency around the issue of climate change. We should be focusing on doing whatever is possible because the statistics show that we're nowhere close to doing anything to stop temperatures from rising above two degrees Celsius. And that's, that could be potentially because of our relaxed nature towards the issue of climate change. Well, I mean, I suppose you could say that, but the perception as to whether uh, the, the belief that individuals hold as to whether climate change is occurring or not is irrelevant to the issue of, uh, of um, innovation within the energy market. So then you would say we need more companies like Tesla um, or Solar City to be able to um, to be able to influence more change. What I'm saying is that the only way in which we can reduce carbon emissions and therefore re- uh, uh, reduce the effects of global climate change is if we move towards renewable energies and away from non-renewable, dirty forms of energy. And the only way in which we can do that uh, within the long term and without having adverse short-term economic and social consequences is if we free up the market uh, cut back uh, erroneous illegal regulations uh, and allow private companies to compete amongst each other so that they can create uh, renewable forms of energy okay. that are that are uh, that are uh, inexpensive for the consumer okay so let 's then take a look at what the government can do. Can the government do anything at all when it comes to climate change? the environment i mean the way i well uh to an extent i mean the federal government can put a tax on uh energies uh, the crude forms of energy like coal and uh and oil as they travel across state lines okay they could in fact uh i mean if the federal government if it wished uh could ban the uh, commerce between the states of, uh, of, of, of the sale of uh, or trade of uh, between the states of coal and oil uh, and could even ban the importation of oil from foreign countries if it wished to. Uh, it can do those things tomorrow. If it, the, could, the Congress could pass uh, uh, acts uh, which would do that tomorrow. But I also think that those would be very negative, that they would bring very negative consequences. So then, well, if, if the statements made by scientists saying that, um, that we have less than 20 years to solve climate change are true, are there anything immediate that we can do to stop the effects of climate change? Well, not many of the projections that have been made by scientists have been false. Uh, so we shouldn't take it with too much certainty. Uh, the same, similar projections had been made 20 and uh, 10, 20 years before today. Uh, okay. And they haven't necessarily come to fruition. They have partly come to fruition, but uh, not entirely. Okay. Uh, so we can't say with positive certainty that the effects that will uh that scientists say will occur 20 years from now will actually occur. Um, but, but then in, what in, I don't in, understand. In, what do you mean? But I, I question what you mean by immediate action. So 
for me, when it comes to the issue of climate change, I'm extremely worried because, I, I mean, the fact that, like, people are saying that, oh, you know, it's not that, there's no certainty around it, so we can just be, like, whatever around it, whatever around it, makes no sense because why would you just wait and see if it's actually true to do something about it? If it's as something as severe as climate change, I mean, we've, another thing is America has been, has a history of simply reacting to things. We reacted to Japan bombing Pearl Harbor. We've reacted to many issues that have come up in our history. And I think it's about time we do something in preparation instead of just reacting. And same thing applies to climate change. We should be taking immediate action, focusing on decreasing the amount of cars on the road or fuel, um, fossil fuel burning cars on the road. We should be focusing on making renewable energy such as solar and wind extremely widespread. Because another thing is, if you look, if you do the math, one square mile of solar panels, along with, um, was along with a quarter of that land. Well, if we have one square mile devoted to solar panels in, let's say, Nevada, and then you have a quarter of that land additionally devoted towards um, lithium-ion batteries. It's said that you can probably power the entire west coast of the United States just with that solar power. So if it's available to us, why don't we just do it? If Because it's not profitable? It would take years. Even with the current state of solar panels, it would take years before someone who purchased them would start to see a return on their investment. And, of course, everything comes down to time preference. Most people have very or have relatively high time preferences and choose to consume now rather than to consume later. So building a bunch of solar panels and waiting till you get a return on your investment for 10, But then that's 20, another issue. Years. It's like, it's all about It absolutely money. is an issue. But it's all about money. Because money like, always just... comes first in the minds of people. And if that's, you were to tell them that true. money should be secondary, they're not going to be very happy. And they're going to start revolting. And they're going to start burning things down. So then that's and why that has been the history of many revolutions. The government be building solar panels or to be able to just create a, a program to introduce more renewable energy in communities. Terry, you rant to me all the time about how military contracts are outrageously expensive. And that is okay, true for I every understand. and all government contracts. What, <laughs> I mean, what makes you think that, so, uh, that uh, solar panel contracts won't be any different? The, the, the amount of... Uh, first of all, the amount of debt that the federal the government would have to solar infrastructure. They're electrical infrastructure. So? so it's still going to be outrageously military... expensive in order to build. Okay, but was the national highway system outrageously expensive to build? It was probably more expensive than it cost to build. Okay, I... so then, but in the end, look who it gave us, a national highway system. So okay. why can't we have the same mindset when it comes to solar panels? Well, again, just because in, in their current state, solar panels are not a feasible form of energy. They are too expensive. Now, okay. if the federal government is to be subsidizing 
uh, or to make a contract with a solar panel company in order to construct solar panels to take up a fourth of the area of Arizona. Uh, one, energy is still going to be very expensive. It's probably going to be even more expensive for people if it's a government, uh, government-owned solar panels than if they were privately owned because since the government, uh, uh, since uh, the private contractors are going to uh, price their contracts much higher than the market rate, the federal uh, government is going to have to uh, well, what raise you... the prices for energy in order to re- uh, reciprocate the losses or just eat the losses altogether because the government doesn't necessarily care about bringing back money that it spends. Uh, but even if uh, the solar energy was sold at, um, at its uh, uh, market value as of right now, uh, it's still going to be too expensive for consumers. And if you were to subsidize energy companies, uh, then that is going to obviously kill incentive amongst firms to innovate. So aside from the fact of innovation or having private companies deal with it, um, wouldn't solar energy be cheaper than traditional fossil fuel energy? Because fossil fuel, you have to pay to get it shipped and burnt while solar it's quite literally just from the sun yes and there's you, quite large quantities of it constantly yes, but you can't store or transport solar that's the primary problem with it what do you mean by that solar solar energy cannot be stored for prolonged periods of time and they cannot be moved they can't be transported once you bring in solar energy from solar panels it has to be burnt it has to be used almost immediately okay so that's then the, there's that's also the those, main problem there's also solar. lithium-ion batteries, right? Yes. Okay. But they, so. can't, they can't store solar energy for prolonged periods of time. Or at least I, period... I, are you... I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a battery. I think batteries yes. are made to store energy for long periods of time. Yes, but of course there's... You're familiar with how energy efficiency works, right? Yeah, I understand that, yeah. Well, lithium-ion batteries aren't as efficient as the current uh, forms of energy that we're using. Okay. So, At least in terms of cost. So then what they're it, actually pro- They actually probably are more efficient than uh, uh, the current forms of energy that we're using, but they're not efficient in terms of cost. Okay. It costs too much. Okay, then. Then what about... If we can't like put solar farms in the middle of the desert, even though we already have several, I solar mean, we farms. we could put solar farms in the middle of the desert. Okay. It just wouldn't be very. It just isn't a good idea. Okay. It's not. It's not I mean. Okay. I mean, I'm. They're implementing it in Australia right now to deal with Australia's energy crisis. But okay. Um, well, Australians will have to pay higher energy prices. And if they're fine with paying for higher energy prices, I, then that's good for them. You know, they, they can, actually, they can do that, but I don't think that Americans, uh, their, fuel, their energy especially, prices actually went down after putting in solar panels in several parts of Western or Eastern Australia. Their, their energy costs went down. Yes. So what happened oh, was, good. what happened was, um, there was their energy or their electrical grid system was getting incredibly overstressed and then once uh once um once the government invited tesla to come over and put in and install solar panels and 
lithium ion batteries, um, their energy prices went down considerably. They were getting energy bills in like the thousands. And now their energy bills are extreme or well, not extremely low, but much more, much lower than before. What energy were they using prior? Traditional fossil fuel energy. Really? Yeah. So. Okay. If well, it's I applicable question. in Australia, then I feel like it can be applicable in almost anywhere else. I don't believe that's the case. I think Australia's economic conditions are uh, vary greatly in relation to really? America's economic so? conditions. Uh, offhand, I don't know, but I don't think that it could be recreated in the U.S., given our current economic conditions. Okay. Probably one for the, the fact that we have significantly more people and that we're bringing in more people. Okay. So... Which is obviously going to increase the demand for energy. Definitely. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we should... If we're able to... If we're able to see it becoming extremely successful at a little bit of a smaller scale, then I think if we're able to scale it up and, you know, try it out in some larger cities, like maybe LA, then, and if it works there, then it definitely can work in the U S. Um, maybe in somewhere like the Midwest, but I don't think in the more, okay, perhaps, uh, urban areas. I question, I not, I shouldn't say Do you that. think like solar think panels don't have the ability to provide enough energy to urban areas or? Oh, yes. We know that they have the ability to provide enough energy for urban areas. Um, so what's the skepticism around it then? It costs too much. It always comes down to cost. Well, it was, it was able to bring down costs in, in urban areas of Eastern Australia. Okay, but the, the the economic conditions in east in the urban areas of eastern Australia are not the same as those in LA. They just aren't. Okay, okay. Then. Um, I mean, they're just not the same. They're two very different areas economically. Yeah, I and understand. They vary greatly in economic conditions. But still, are two extremely westernized nations. It's irrelevant so, to the. That's kind of irrelevant to the issue. Okay, well, I mean, I would agree to disagree, but... Um, I, mean, ju- I mean, just economically speaking, you can't look at one area and say, okay, this so worked here, work this can the work US here. Then? There are too many economic factors. And I don't believe that we know enough about the economic differences between the areas to say that this would definitively work uh, in Los Angeles. Okay, then. All right, then. Um... What would you say would be the most effective um, renewable energy solution for the United States? Then? Probably nuclear. Yeah. Nuclear by far is the cheapest form of energy that there is. Okay. But it's heavily regulated. And we need an effective way of storing them. It can be stored. Oh, yeah, it can be. But it's just, well, you know what happened with several storage attempts in the U.S., right? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see then. 
Um, seeing that we're getting a bit short on time, Cooper, do you want to start the closing statements? Yes. Uh, where do I start? Well, for one, uh, actually, I want to recognize a trend that I had noticed. Yeah. A trend, uh, or rather a trend that I had noticed a while ago mm-hmm. of Trump appointing people who have a conflict of interest with the departments that they head. Ooh, Betsy yeah. DeVos, for example, uh, the head of the EPA. <laughs> yes. uh, there are several others that I could name. Uh, and I think that's an important thing that Trump has done, because I think that he's shown he, he is uh, uh, shown to those who advocate for centralized government, the inevitable flaw of centralized government, which is that, sure, if you have proper leadership, then the whole country benefits. But if you have improper leadership, then the whole country is uh, operates to um, the de- uh, a detriment. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that is probably the best argument for the abolition of departments like the Department of Education uh, and agencies <sighs> like the EPA. Uh, and so I would say that the EPA ought to be abolished. And that'll be the first step towards moving towards, uh, in order to move towards a cleaner, more renewable America. Hmm. There's, okay, there's a lot of possible contradictions there, but okay. Um, For my closing statement, when it comes to, well, in response to Cooper's advocacy to abolish the EPA in order to take a step towards renewable energy. Um, that's we want to abolish the Environmental Protection Agency in order to move towards protecting the environment. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, Terry, let me ask you, has the environment I mean, I understand, better okay, or I understand worse the under name. the current EPA administration? Okay, current EPA situation is terrible. But yes, that's so it ought have... to be abolished. But what about the EPA under the Obama administration? Still awful. Okay. There were were tons of uh, environmental disasters that happened under the Obama administration. Not caused by Obama. I mean, or by the administration. Well, I mean, okay, yeah. The EPA hasn't done anything. It was still under his administration. Okay. Anyway. um, Personally, I think we don't have enough urgency when it comes to protecting our environment. Um, We have looked at the issue of climate change with extreme um, well, I don't know the correct term with it, neglect. but we're just not neglect. It's just we've disconcern. Yeah. Yeah. We're not concerned enough. We're not we haven't recognized that. Holy shit. Like, this is something really bad right now. And you know all those things that, like, you see in the sci-fi, like, movies where it's like, oh, you know, like, climate change has caused, like, in, in Halo, climate change has caused Florida to go underwater. I mean, for Florida, well, as much as people would hope that it would go underwater, probably won't go completely underwater. But it's like, holy crap, we're, that could, like, potentially be a reality. I mean... 
in the news, there's literally an island off the um, Japanese main islands that literally went underwater when they tried. During we don't the... know if it went underwater. It was most well, probably because of erosion from storms. But exactly. Erosion. Okay, usually erosion takes several hundreds of years, but this is like, I mean, okay, yeah, probably it was eroding for quite a while, but along with that... I mean, we know it wasn't submerged underwater. Okay. It was probably knocked over by a storm. <laughs> but another thing is, like, there's been, there's plenty of videos out there that show huge glaciers in Greenland literally just collapsing every five minutes. And there's also time lapses where it's literally you see the glaciers rescinding incredible distances. And yeah, of course, glaciers move back and forth all the time, but they've been moving farther and farther back every single time. The graphs also show that CO2, rise in CO2 emissions also lead to a rise in temperature. And the fact that people are just like, oh, it doesn't matter, or oh, there's not enough proof is incredibly concerning because people decide to just just ignore the facts that were made by people who have spent their lives understanding this or spent their entire careers and educational careers learning about all this so the minute we decide to discount the experts is the minute we begin to be neglectful of extreme issues and that's definitely something that we have to change that's all okay all right well anyway thank you so much for listening to this episode um looking at our schedule let's see um yeah looking at our schedule we'll be having a well three-week hiatus because well next week is going to be finals week for us and then uh the week after that is christmas and then the week after that would be new year's week so we're going to be taking a three-week hiatus even though we already took a two-week hiatus earlier um although keep an eye out for a possible episode coming out on Christmas Day. So um, we'll, let you, we'll give you a little hint of what might be coming out on Christmas Day, but stay, stay tuned and make sure to keep your feeds open and your eyes opened for any upcoming news. Cooper, do you have anything else to say? Nope. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.